0: Ephesians chapter 4, we shall read from verses 7 to verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16, 1, 2, begin reading. For unto, are you there? Ephesians four sixteen. as chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, reading verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on the hill on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby he lie in wait to deceive, by speaking truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our gracious heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we can gather tonight into thy house. We thank you for your grace and your strength and your help throughout the week, seeing us through our family life, our work, commitments and our school and various duties in this life. Lord, we come giving you thanks and also asking that you cleanse us and wash us by your mercy, in the blood of Christ, wherein we have sinned against you. And we know, Father, we have in many ways, in our thoughts, our words, our actions. Lord, that you may show us our sins, that we may confess and repent. And Father, we also pray that this night you would open our eyes and our understanding as we study this crucial topic on the communion of saints, that we may understand our part on earth, towards each other, towards thy church. And Lord, we pray that you remove all tiredness and distraction. Help us to concentrate and help us um, to desire to obey your word and to change our lives, to live in ways that will please you. For that is the purpose. We are studying thy word tonight. Pray for every group. Pray for um, the facilitators. Pray for Brother Yutin. Lord, use all of us to feed your flock tonight. Be with us, we pray, for your blessing. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we continue on the communion of saints. Shall we read um, from chapter 26, um, point number 1? Shall we just read point number 1? One? 1 2 reading. All saints that are united to Jesus Christ by the head, by his spirit, and by faith, have fellowship with him in his graces, sufferings, death, resurrection, and glory and being united to one another in love, they have communion in each other's gifts and graces, and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, and do conduce to their mutual good, both in inward and outward man." Now, as we all have been um, covering WCF, we know that these um, writers, they put together the key tenets of the faith, And there are many Bible verses, as noted in this chapter at the bottom, that support um, what they have written. So please remember, what they write is not what they want to say, but they are summarizing for us what the communion of saints is about, from scriptures, okay? So I hope that we do not lose our bearing as we go through the details, the purpose of God in saving all of us is not simply, as I've always mentioned from scriptures, not simply for you to avoid hell. Please remember that. Because if you have only the concept that I want to be saved and God saved me simply to avoid going to hell and that I will go to heaven, then our entire phase of life on earth will be misunderstood will live our life wrongly. Must remember that because the brand of Christianity today is just be saved and live your own life. That is all that there is to Christianity. But God saved you and saved me. Please do not forget this. If you are a true believer in Christ, if you have truly asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your God and your Saviour. You've come to Him, you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and you trust in Him and Him alone by faith, not in your own good works. And ask Him to be your God and Savior. Now, if you are a true, saved child of God, if you were to die tonight, or even if you have a heart attack and die now, you will be immediately in heaven. So the question is always this, now parents, you know, you love your children, right? You love your children. If you know your child is having a difficult time, what would you do? Difficult time in, an, in, in a situation. Would you just leave your child to struggle and to um, go through all the difficulties or as a father, as a mother, you would want to bring your child to yourself, protect your child, hmm? have it by your side immediately. You would, right? Then we ask, why does God, having saved us, and we are His child, and He loves you very much as His child, why does He leave you on this earth? Not that He's not here to help you, not that you suffer alone, but why does He not take you to heaven immediately? Because if you die now, if we are already immediately, as we've studied in WCF, positionally sanctified, we are ready for heaven, why does He leave you and I behind? And this is what this chapter is about. There is a purpose that the Christian must fulfill. And in scriptures, God takes time to explain the communion of saints on earth. We will have communion in heaven, that's for sure. But the good part of the Bible is written for the Christian's walk on earth. And in particular, in this chapter, it's our fellowship with one another. That is very key. So, I hope that you do not lose bearing as we go through this chapter. Understand, and then say, Lord, if that is the purpose why I am on earth, in relation to my brothers and sisters in Christ, then help me to fulfill that. I want to fulfill that. Show me how. Don't waste your time on earth. So, that is why the Westminster Confession Divines have put together this chapter that we may understand our um, relationship with one another on earth and how we ought to live. Okay, so point number one. Let's very quickly go through some summary of last week and then we continue. Now all saints, every true believer is united in Christ by their head. So we know every true believer is in the universal church of God. We studied that two chapters back. The universal church contains, consists of all true believers and we are saved by faith and His Spirit works in us, we come to Him and we are saved. Now here then, we, are re- we were reminded last week, we have fellowship with Christ. We have fellowship with Christ in His graces, sufferings, death, resurrection and glory. And we studied last week, that means that what Christ went through on earth, the believer has the privilege to also experience. And that is our joy of knowing how our Lord Um, experience his life on earth, what he went through for you and I. So, first part of communion of saints, although the title is communion of saints, do not misunderstand when scriptures talk about communion of saints, it simply means your communion with each other on earth, with other Christians. Communion of saints in scriptures is first and foremost about the believers, communion, or rather the saints, all of us, who are true believers the saints communion with christ please remember that so first and foremost you must know communion of saints the first thought is as believers we are in christ and have fellowship with christ okay so that is the first thing that we must begin with then there is the second part look at your point number one and being united, ah, no. and being united to one another in love. Now it's the second part. So this week, last, last week, we, we, we fo- focused entirely on our communion with Christ, the believers communion, blessed communion with Christ. Then this week, we continue to the second part of the communion of saints, which is now our communion with one another. You look at um, your notes, and being united to one another in love. right, the believers are held together in the love of Christ. Because of the love of Christ towards the believer, he saved us. We are in Christ. We are held together. We have the basis of communion with one another because of the love of Christ. And of course, and therefore we are now obliged to love another, one another as Christ loved us. So we are held together. We are united together because of Christ's love for us. We are saved. We are in him. And therefore, we also need to love one another as Christ loved us. Now, here is where this test of love will be known. How do you know that you are truly having biblical communion of the saints? Do you have a biblical communion with the saints? You can be in church. You can have Christian friends. But what does God expect? after he saved us. So here, look at your notes. They have communion in each other's gifts and graces. That is the first thing. Communion of gifts and graces. Now, this is where we read just now. Ephesians chapter four, verses five to six. So if you look at your Bible notes at the bottom of point one, um, footnote number two, that's Ephesians four. 5 to 6, right? Now, before we go there, can you please look at your question sheet so that you can follow as we go along. Look at your question sheet, please. Question number 5. Okay. Now, how does communion with saints come about? So we must answer this question before we move on. Why Why are we in communion with one another? Why are we considered having communion of saints? How does it start? Um, Alex, why is Grace part of your family? Am I part of your family? Not, outside, not Covenantal family, am I part of your family? I'm not part of your family, direct family. Yes, I'm not, correct? But why is grace part of your family, your direct family? Because you got married. (laughs) It's okay to say that because you got married. You got married and therefore, she's your wife, you are a family unit, correct? Am I part of your family unit? No. Why are we part of each other in the communion of saints? Why? Why does God say you are the communion of saints? Why? simply because we are in Christ. That's all. Why does God call the unbeliever that who is not part of God's family? Does he say we are the communion of saints? He does not. It's specifically about the saints, the believers. Right? We define saints afterwards. Those that have been saved, set aside, and become his children. We are by definition, in communion as saints because of Jesus Christ. And last week we studied. Because the Bible explains this. God explains the communion of saints by using the body. Alright, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now God explains the communion of saints with the human body. Now let us look at verse 12. Ephesians 4.12. For the perfecting of the saints... Alright, and then he relates the saints to the body of Christ. And um, in verse 15, it says Christ is the head. And verse 16, we are the body fitly joined together. So when it comes to why we are related to one another as communion of saints, it's because we are in the body of Christ. That's all. That is the basis. Alright, that's the basis. So why, why are we... Why are we Um, considered interrelated, that we should be in communion is because we are in the body of Christ. I will cover something else and I will ask you afterwards. Can someone, can a believer, can a saint, can a saved person say that I don't really want to be part of the church? Now the reason why I ask that question is this, today there there is that teaching which says you do not need to be part of a church. In fact, you do not need to go to church. All that matters is that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can worship at home, so you can turn on television, sit in your own uh, comfortable chair, or still remain in bed and worship God, and that is all that matters. You're worshipping God. Don't have to be part of a community of believers. Okay? In fact, um, some preachers actively uh, promote this idea and say, you should not encourage people to come to church. God does not expect people to come to church. But here we've read that God says we are part of the body. Hmm? We are part of the body. Um, in fact, now let us address this once and for all. All right, let us address this. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians, chapter twelve. First Corinthians, chapter twelve. I want to establish this because sometimes I worry when we cover topics like that. Are you interested? Say, actually, this is for this is for those that are active in church. Me, I don't need to be part of the communion of saints. Communion of saints are for those active Christians, all right? Is it it possible? Is it possible for a Christian to say, I don't need to be part of the church. I don't need to go to church. In fact, today, um, over the last few years, there are people in church that keep arguing with me. We do not need to join a church. Church membership is created by men. We are not members of one another. There is no need for church membership. All right? So, you say people just live on their own. Is it true? Is that scriptural? In fact, this was the problem in the Corinthian church, where people did not feel that they need to be part of the communion of believers. They could live their own life, they could choose whether they want to care for another or do not want to care for another, they would think that whether I am there to help, whether I want to contribute to the church, is my own own business. That was what was happening also in the Church of Corinth. So this idea that Christians have today is not new. That is why the communion of saints must be addressed. Romans uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now let us read from um, verses 12 to um, 21. All right, 12 to 21. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 21, 1 to reading. For as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. God bless the reading of his word. So there were Christians who did, over time, did not feel that they need to be part of the church. I'm saved. um, And they did not understand this whole concept that when you are saved, please remember God used the body to explain our communion of saints. He said, after you are saved, you are part of the body of Christ. And then look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Now it says, but to those of you who seem to think I am the foot, I am not the hand, so I am not part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? What is this question in verse 14? It's a rhetorical question. It's just like now you look at your hand, right? You, you look at your feet and your feet keep saying, uh, uh, body, all uh, right, Douglas, all right? The, the Douglas' feet keep telling Douglas, Douglas, I'm not part of your body. Douglas, I'm not part of your body. The feet can keep saying if the feet could talk, right? If the feet could talk. The physical keeps saying that, but Douglas would say, "Whether you think you are part of my body or not, you are attached to me. You are part of my body, right?" So, so God uses the Apostle Paul to explain to believers: believers cannot think that they 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 can be stand alone and they do not need to be an integral part of God's church, the body. You cannot. In fact, he used another example. Um, in verse 16, he repeats the same question. Now, just because the year say, I'm not part of the eye, and the year say, I'm not part of the body. Hello, I'm not part of the body. Paul asks, is it, does it make any difference? It is still part of the body. So Christians, we must awaken to this fact tonight. If you have been someone who do not feel that I need to be an integral part of, of, of God's people in the communion of saints, then you must realize that that is not why God saved you. God saved you to be part of a community of communion of saints. Very important for you. this, we'll study why. All right, very important. Now, so why I took some time to establish this? Because we are going to talk about our duties one to another. Look at point number one, please, in your WCF notes in your WCF chapter. Now, now it says, we, we have communion in, in each other's gifts. We are obliged to performance of such duties, public and private. If the leg or the feet keep still saying, seriously, I do not think I need to be part of church. I go when I feel like it, when I feel I have a need, I will go. If not, I don't need to go there. Uh, if that is your thinking, then unless you disagree with scriptures, you have to say, Oh, I realize tonight, now I'm, I must learn then as part of being the part of the communion of saints. God, where, which church do you want to me to be part of? Where I will be part of the communion of the saints there? Because I have duties. I share in each other's gifts and graces. I have obligations to perform. If you do not believe or do not accept these scriptures that we have read, then the rest of the lesson tonight, you're not interested. Because you say, I don't need to be part of the body, why do I want to share my gifts and graces? Right? Why do I want to share? Why do I even want to feel obliged to perform any, do anything for someone? You won't. But once you realize. Then you say, I am part of. Grace? Uh, Grace Luke, do you want to wash my shoes for me? But will you wash Alex's shoes? Definitely. My husband, right? My husband. But Pastor Shoe, I think Sister Sherman can wash for him. Right? You see, as long as you don't feel that I am part of this family. You will not even bother. I keep saying, Grace wash my shoe, Grace wash my shoe. Grace will just continue to look down and I'm just going to ignore him. Crazy man, right? But once you say, Oh, I understand from scriptures, I am part of God's body. And we studied in the previous chapter, there is the universal church, but there is the local church, correct? God put us in the local church. Where you are, now you are part of the local church body. Then you say, I am interested. I'm interested to find out what my God wants me to be as part of this communion of saints. Okay? So now when that is established, then we look at scriptures. Now God says that I make you part of this body because Jesus Christ saved you. He is the head and you are part of this body. Alright? You are not a headless body. I'm part of this body. So, question number five. What are some key lessons regarding the communion with Christ? Now, communion with Christ, first of all, we studied last week. Communion of saints is our communion of with Christ first. Communion with Christ's graces, for example, what does it mean? Communion with Christ's graces. If we studied last week that God, you know, in our communion with Christ, Christ provides us the grace to live the Christian life. I explain again, huh? So he so said, what is the benefit of after salvation of me being part of the body of Christ and I'm now in communion with Christ, what is the benefit here? We see, we saw last week, we are fellowship, in fellowship of His graces. He enables you with His enabling grace. After His salvation grace, He saves you by grace and after that He gives you the strength to live the Christian walk. So communion with Christ gives us the strength to walk the Christian walk. Okay, that's one. Then now, there is the second part of the communion of saints. Now, what does the communion of saints between believers emphasize? What do you think? What do you think? What does it emphasize? It emphasizes to the Christian, as I've been saying for the last 20 minutes, emphasizes to the Christian, you, are, you cannot be a loner. You cannot be a loner. You cannot be a lone ranger, or lone wolf, or lone, no, wolf, not good, lone sheep, right? Lone sheep. You cannot be. God says, I save you not to leave you that is as an appendix unattached to my body. Every saved believer is inside the body of Christ. You cannot be a man on an island on yourself, by yourself. If there's any Christian who think and who have been living a life where pretty much I'm self-sufficient, I don't need Christian friends, I don't need to be with Christians, I don't need to do things with Christians, I don't need to care for others and I don't really want others to care for me, they can mind their own business and leave me alone, I'm happier that way, Um, then you do not know, then you do not understand the communion of sin. So God says you cannot be a loner, I save you not to be a loner, okay? So that is... Communion of Christ, strength to live the Christian life. And then he provides the communion of saints. Don't want you to be a loner because you will fall if you're on your own. We'll see some verses afterwards. As I've preached at one of our family camps, God called you and I sheep, correct? God called you, we are sheep. Why don't God call you elephant? Why don't God call us wolves Or elephants or birds But God calls us sheep repeatedly And he calls Christ Our saviour, the great shepherd Why sheep? Because one of the characteristics of sheep Is It needs to be Part of a group Sheep Are easily frightened alone Sheep Get easily misled, deceived when it's alone. In fact, it's very dangerous when sheep is in the wrong group of sheep, because sheep are followers. I was explaining to the youth 180 people uh, previous week. There are many cases that farmers report. The sheep tend to herd together and they tend to move together and then to tend to follow. One sheep, there was one case where 400 sheep died at one time because one sheep tried to jump across a ravine and fell in. The sheep would just keep following. Alright? Sheep tend to follow and then they just, one after another, just couldn't stop them. They just keep going. They just follow. Alright? And remember when Christ saw um, saw so he looked down at Jerusalem and he saw the Jews and, what, and he wept, correct? Why did he weep? As the shepherd he looked at them and he, and he pitied them he said these are like sheep without a shepherd remember that? The saddest sight and the sheep does not know or understand when Christ looked at them he said you are like lost sheep You're alone without the shepherd. The saddest sight of any sheep is when it's alone. So any shepherd who sees a sheep alone, they will pity the the sheep because when it's alone, it does not know what to do. It will eat poison. It will drink dirty water. It will fall sick. It will fall off the cliff. A sheep alone is a very pitiful sight. But the sheep do not know. Right? The sheep do not know how pitiful it is. So God says, I save you not to be a loner. I save you to be part of my body and part of the communion of saints. Very often, Christians do not grow. Christians fall into many wrong decisions, fall into many vices and sin because they do not make themselves part of a godly um, a group of communion of saints. All right. So please remember that. So, number two, number, question number one, you're safe. Christians cannot be loner. God does not want you to be that. Okay? Now, next. Um, so, that's the intention. God does not want you to be a loner. God provide the communion of saints through Christ. Point, uh, question number six. Now, regarding the communion of saints, what does communion with each other's gifts and graces mean? So, now you know I'm part of the body. I've learned that today from God's word. I must now be part of God's church. Find a good church, be part of it. And then now he says, what, what do I do as part of the communion of saints? God says you have the communion of each other's gifts. How do we know that? Scriptures quoted is Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to Ephesians, chap, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, where we were just now. Right, please share your Bible. And verse, verses um, 15 and fifteen and 16. Allow me to read to you. Now, this is what being part of the body of Christ is about. 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. So there is growth. Part of the body of Christ has to do with growth. Growth, grow up in Christ, in all things. And Christ is ahead. So there's a reminder. The direction, the director, the... Um, commander is Christ, the head. He gives information to the body. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So you will notice a few repeated words. Number one is growing, right? Growing. Uh, Number two is Um, always about edifying, strengthening, right, feeding the body. So, and this is not the only passage in the Bible. There are many other Bible passages where God used the body to describe the body's relationship one to another. Um, In other words, the meaning of um, communion with each other's graces and gifts is this. So, how does your hand get um, a signal to do anything is from the head, correct? So God used the description, right, chiropractor's know, right? So the signal comes to your hand, right, Christ gives the signal, the hand moves. Now, if you were to sleep on your hand or tie a rubber band on your arm and tie it very tight and stop the blood flow, the nutrients flow, what is going to happen to the hand? The hand is, over time, going to get numb, No feeling, no sensation, won't respond, and eventually the hand will be injured and be destroyed. Correct? So, you look at verse 15 and 16. What it's really saying is this. head gives the signal. Every part of the body joined together, and every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in measure of every part. Every part supplies something to another part, whether it's signal, whether it's uh, muscles, whether it's some interrelation, some coordination. So God created the body. He used that to describe. In other words, your hand cannot be useful if um, the head doesn't function or doesn't obey the head's command or something further up. Um, the arm, uh, the, the shoulder does not want to feed the hand. I'm not going to feed you. All nutrients coming this way, I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to pass it to left hand, because I don't like your right hand. Hmm? Every part benefits from another part. That is the point. That is the point. So when God says the communion of saints, He used the body of Christ, He's saying all of us share. There is this sharing of each other's gifts and graces. The gift of the, the heart to your arm is that it pumps blood to it, right? I hope I'm getting my biology correct. The heart needs to pump. If your heart says, I do not want to pump, the body will die. Other parts of the body will die. So every part is benefiting from another part when that part chooses to play its role. That is the point of this this whole body thing. Every one of us have have been given gifts and graces. The reason why... Okay, question number six. Huh? What does it mean? It means that every part benefits from other parts of the body that were designed for a specific purpose. Your heart, the grace and the gift of your heart that is that it keeps pumping. It has this electrical impulse which no one can explain where it's from, but it keeps pumping. That's the gift and the grace of the heart. And then the hand, the other parts benefit. Then why does God not give, uh, before we go there, or actually we answer this now, why does God not give the same amount of possessions and same gifts to all? So please remember, you, once you are part, you understand I must be part of the communion of saints, I have roles to play. God gave me gifts to benefit others, and others have gifts that will benefit me. It's mutual. So no one should come. I want to be part of communion of saints. It's pretty good, you know. I heard that church cooks meal every week. Wow. And this church cooks lots of good Chinese food. I'm just going there. Um, So it is not about me, me, me. I benefit this kind of things. It is a mutual benefit. So you must make up your mind to say, I must be useful. Um, I'm skipping ahead. Do you have a gift? Do you have gift? Um, no point asking uh, uh, Lilian because everybody knows Lilian's gift. Okay, uh, let me try and see the quiet one. All right, Vincent, do you have any gifts? Gifts and graces? Any? Uh, somebody of similar gift probably Oh, you're so, you're so humble. Don't to say yes or no? Give me one complicated answer, which I don't understand. <laughs> do you have any gifts? Still, I think I do. Still so humble. I think I do. Now, very often as Christians, we are quite shy. And some of us may even think, actually, I don't have any gift. Right? I'm really quite useless. To left foot, to left hand, uh, cross eye. I don't, no gifts. Is it true? Now, please look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 Now every Christian must know verse 7 But unto every one of us is given grace Everyone As long as you are a believer God says unto every one of us Saints Is given grace You are given Then he talks about the different um, gifts in Romans Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everyone has at least a gift, at least one, if not many. So, no Christians you say, I don't have any gifts. We ask some of, another question later, what are some of the gifts? We'll look at that. But everyone has, and it, it is meant for the benefit of others. Meant for the benefit of others. Satan had many gifts, alright, in heaven. And Satan only wanted it for... Himself to be proud Hmm? So God gave him gift But he Out of pride Just want to exalt himself So Now why does God not give us The same amount of possessions And same gifts to all Why? Why do you think so? Keziah Why do you think so? Why are you richer than Vincent? Say again Because you work Say again Subjective. Um, well, I think that God will only give you a certain way when he, he knows you are able to be a good steward
1: of that gift that you given
0: you. Right? God gives, gives, knowing that we are to be stewards. Stewards means you use it for the benefit of others. It belongs to God, right? It's for God. Okay? Um why are some people more capable than others? They say, God, not fair. How come, like the body, eh, God, the hand says to the head, why did you give hand five digits? Eh, and you give mouth only one mouth. Why can't we have five mouths and one finger? Why? Why? God designs it. All right? and God designs it perfectly, and everyone has different roles. God gives gifts because, you know, to pick up something, five fingers more useful than five mouths, for example. So God knows I'm giving everyone different gifts, some more, some less, some in this area, some in another area, but all fit together. We read that word, fit, compacted together, and works perfectly, correct? Okay, so if the hand wants to be the foot, you have a problem. Hmm? So God says, everyone... So don't complain. You're part of the body of Christ. You will have a gift and it is to be used uh, for the benefit of others. And others will have gifts that will benefit you. But gifts are meant for benefit of others. Okay, must remember that. Otherwise, you become proud. Otherwise, you go to church. If you don't get to serve, you know, there are people who come to church and say, I want to play the piano. Oh, your, pianos, your pianos are so boring, you know, I can play very well, so I want to play the piano and then week after week after week, they don't get appointed to the to play the piano. What happened to them? No longer here. I want to be Sunday school teacher Now after some time don't get to be Sunday school teacher I'm going to another church where they will make me a Sunday school teacher hmm? So over time we, we want gifts and we will use gifts only for ourselves um, So be very careful Know that God will bring the timing. If, if you're the one, God will use those gifts, and you will benefit others. But if you use it for your own pride, God will not use you. God may give you the gift, but God will not use you. Hmm? God will not use you. So why does not God give? Because God knows best? And God already said in Ephesians chapter one, verse um, Ephesians one, verse verse four. There's one body, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, called into one. All right, so it's one. Body is the spirit that gives as he wishes. Now, let's move quickly. Question number seven. Now, how should we perform such communion duties to saints? Give examples where we fail in this respect. How are you supposed to perform this duty? So please remember you go back and you think, God, what are my gifts? Be humble. And then when God wants to use it, you make sure you step up and, and serve. Don't say no, 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 no. I do not want. Um, Vincent, do you have a gift to wash the toilet? Say again? You may have it, still so humble. Have you washed the toilet in the army before? Yes. So you have, know how to wash the toilet? Yes. Yeah, so busy bee time, you're assigned to wash the toilet. After, after the wedding, you were assigned to wash the toilet. Were you the one? Well, I want to. The one assigned to wash the toilet. Um, I'm not to oh, you were not? Okay, next time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes God put us through life and we are trained to do something, all right? So in the army, we have to wash the toilet, right? we got duties, right? So we learn how to wash toilet. Why do we not ask, ask, um, ask uh, someone's kid, whose kid? Why do we not ask Cornelius to go wash the toilet? Or little Caleb to go wash the toilet? Or Abigail to wash the toilet? Because they do not have the ability at this stage at least, right? So uh, when we have it, we use it. When we are asked to do it, we do it. Now, let's move quickly. How should we perform such com- such Such communion duties to each other Number seven The answer is We are obliged to perform these duties Public and private Number one Public and private It's public and private eh? Because lots of people love to do public duties And the more prominent the better Well we must be willing to do anything in public That God says um, contribute, um, do this for the benefit of my body and private, uh, private means you do this but no one knows, no one notices, Wow, no one notice, no point in doing, cannot be like that. So God says is public and private. Um, Now many things happen in your body that you do not know of, correct? We see the hand doing things. We see the mouth. The mouth probably is very prominent. All right? We hear it. We see it moving. We see the hand moving. But there are things that are happening in your body that you do not see. Digestion happening. Heart pumping. You say, hey, no one see. The heart says, no one see. I think I don't want to pump anymore. Kind of waste of time. No one sees it, you know, unless it's pumping so hard. No one sees it. I don't want to pump. So God says, the body shows that there are so many functions in us. And please don't look down on, on parts that are not comely, right? Um, now God says there are parts that are not comely. There are some parts that are not nice, our feet. Some people say, "I oh, don't look at my feet. My feet is very ugly. So they wear covered shoes and all that. My feet is very ugly. Um, but the feet is very important. Your digestive system, I think you don't really want to look inside it, right? But it's extremely crucial. If you decide not to work, you are having stomach cramps, you have all sorts of illnesses, right? So don't look down on any kind of function and gifts in the church. Hmm? So where are we? Right, so private, public or private? The Christian must be ready when someone you know of something, someone needs something. You don't have to go and announce, I am giving love gift to so-and-so, how much, and so-and-so. And And then come to pastor. Pastor, this is a love gift for so-and-so, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) I would say, just drop it in the offering bag, (laughs) don't have to give to me. Just drop it in the offering bag, write the name and drop it into the offering bag. So if you know someone needs something in private. Just do Don't even need to let the person know. Just do it. Don't have to go announce to everyone after that. Right? So the Christian must be ready to share your gifts and graces, public and private. What else? As Point number one, as do conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. So that's the second one. Inward and outward man means it is for the benefit physically and spiritually. Inward means spiritually, right? Outward means physically. Because there are some Christians that say, Oh, I will help you and give you a lot of Bible verses. And they say, I will pray for you. And they say, but I need you to come and help me now. No, no, I'll pray for you and I'll give you Bible verses. Physically, sometimes people need help. I need to come to church, but my vehicle broke down. Or I, I don't have means to come this weekend, this weekend or this period because I need or something happened. Can you please pick me up for church? I'll pray for you. When you have car, you have time, you have space, you don't do it. Hmm? So it is not just inward. Inward very important. We'll talk more about that. The key point of any physical help is always for spiritual purpose. Remember that, okay? But don't be just inward. I'm here to help you inward. So, Third to First John chapter three. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Um, can we read verse uh, sixteen? First John chapter three, verse sixteen. Um, sixteen to uh, eighteen. Sixteen to eighteen. Reading. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word but neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. Alright, so you have the ability but you shut it up. Shut up the bowels, you have, no, you have no emotions, you have no feelings. You are not moved by your brother's um, situation. You don't care. It could be a spiritual encouragement that the brother needs. It could be a physical need, and they say, and you shut it up. You shut it up. And they say, how does God love dwell in you? And they say, my little children don't love in word or in just tongue, just speak in deed and in truth. In truth, sincerely, in sincerely. not to show off, not to let people know, but in sincerity um, towards the other. And also in truth, meaning don't love wrongly. Can you love a person wrongly? Can you help a person wrongly? So don't think communion of saints means do anything. I want more money to take drugs. I want more money to gamble. Communion of saints, we must share in our gifts and graces. Then you open your bank account to the person. No, of course not. Or the person may want to um, do something that is sinful, something that the person um, may either don't understand yet or want to disobey God. You should not help. You should not encourage. In fact, you should um, do the opposite. If your hand wants to put itself in the fire, what should the leg do? Run in the opposite direction, right? So you make sure that you help the brother or the sister to move away from that. Okay, so public, private, number one, and it's for inward and outward man. But that is the mutual good. All right, that is the mutual good. So how should we perform our duties one to another? That is mutual good. So please do not come to church as I've mentioned earlier, just expecting to benefit. I, I don't like this church. I come and no one takes me out for lunch, no one hang out with me, no one invites me to their house, no one invites me on their holidays, no one talks to me as much as I would like them to talk to me. I don't like this church. I'm looking for a church where I go there, I'll be center of attention. Everybody run around me. I like that church. Then you do not understand the communion of saints because it is for public-private, conduced to mutual good. Mutual good. Okay, so do not look for a church because, simply because it is nice to you. Now, I'm not saying then, therefore, let us not be nice to other people. Huh? They come in, let us don't talk to him or her and test whether she, she is here for the, or he is here for the right reason. Let's leave the person alone. <laughs> be nasty to the person. See whether the person stays. We're not saying that. But the point is this. The communion of saints is you seeking to do good to others. First, and when others do good to you, receive. That is mutual good. Some people are too proud. They don't want help. They do not want um, people's um, kindness because they feel like, I want to be the one that is always helping. I want to be the one that is known to be rich. I want to be the one who knows I don't need anything. I'm here to help people only. Don't be so proud. And another thing that is very crucial for mutual um, edification, which we will see afterwards, is you must be ready to receive what? Valerie, what? Receive help. You must be ready to receive help. If you know if if someone tells you This is a sinful thing to do. This is a disobedience to God. Don't take this job, don't live like that, don't hang out with that person. You must receive help. And you see from scriptures, it is true. God does not want that. Then you must receive help. Some form of help is like what, Benedict? What is the most difficult help to receive? What do you think? Say again, admonition, correct, admonition, admonition, Um, telling you what is wrong, even scolding you, that is the most difficult to receive, but it is help, so when mutual help comes, God says you're there to help, the problem is this, with us is this, we are very quick to help others, right, when it comes to scolding the person, telling the person this is wrong, that is wrong, everything is wrong, everything that you do is wrong, let me help you. Right? But when someone points out, hey, don't be so selfish or don't do this, then you get angry. You don't want to receive exhortation. You don't want to receive ammunition. You gossip. You say, don't gossip. Then you get angry. Right? So this help is mutual. Please remember that. Okay. So now, um, we just, question number seven, all right? How do we fail in this respect? I've mentioned some of those. How can we fail in this respect? We fail when we are selfish. When we are selfish, we can help, like in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. We can help, but we shut up our bowels. We pretend we didn't hear. We pretend we don't know. How else we fail in this? Just now we read in 1 John, even as Christ loved us, right? When there is sacrifice involved, I'm going to sleep less because of helping this person. I'm going to get more trouble, incur more difficulties. I may even incur financial impact in helping this person. So I would not help. I pretend I don't know. Hmm? Now, Keziah, just now you say, God give us because he makes us stewards, correct? Stewards. Stewards means, do you own it? No. Steward means you're keeping it, keeping care, taking care of it for someone. That's a steward, correct? You really believe that? We all know the Bible verses, but when rubber hits the road, it's very difficult sometimes to share when it comes to possessions. Okay, when it comes to possessions. Does it mean that God is saying when you become a Christian, you must sell everything and give it to each other and to the church? We see verses afterwards. Does God expect that? So if we are stewards, it means this. The money in your bank account, who does it belong to? You or God? Steward, right? You say, I'm steward, so belongs to who? Belongs to God. We cannot say, God, I'm a steward, but this is mine. To do as I wish, to keep as I wish. Steward means, okay, because you're a steward, I give you $50 because I, I take care of this $50. Now I need you to give dollars $30, um, $30 to Phoebe. Then you just simply give $30 to Phoebe, right? And the remaining $20, give it to Abigail. She didn't choke, she's still drinking water. (laughs) Give it to Abigail, Then you just take and give it to Abigail. You won't say, oh, I I think I keep 10. You won't, because you're steward. You know it doesn't doesn't belong to you, correct? So when we begin to think, this will cost me something, this will cost me something, or help that person patrol involved. And this student some more, may need to help them here and there financially, because they're poor. Not all students are poor, some students are richer than us. And and all sorts of things, I think I don't want to be involved. But if you think, if you truly believe that you are a steward, then you say, Lord, this is your money. Now I'm so glad there is a place for me to use it to benefit others. I'm not asking you to be stupid, alright? Just give away money, just spend money um, without thinking. Because sometimes, Certain money spent is not, right for the, it's not good for the present, so don't do that. But when it is, we should say, I'm a steward, Lord. It is for them. Time, same. Time. God give you the time, you use the time for the Lord. Let's move quickly. So these are some areas, these are some aspects, how, how we fail. And I think another aspect is this. We fail when we are really in our hearts not convicted, not convinced, or don't care that we are part of the communion of saints. You don't care. I really don't care. You can preach till your tongue drop out, but pastor, I really don't care. That's why you won't bother at all. You won't bother at all. But that ought not to be so because Christ saved us to be part of the communion of saints. Okay? Okay, so back to, Eugene is not here. All right, um, back to family. Uh, Alex, do you care if your child is in need? You do all you can to help the child, right? Will you say, wow, Jennifer, yeah. wisdom tooth infected. Wisdom tooth very expensive. Uh. Forget about it, you won't. How much it will cost, you will have it removed, correct? However much it will cost. Not enough money, you find ways to work harder to earn that money, correct? Do you care when someone in your family is hurting? You do, naturally. It is unnatural. What I'm trying to say is this, it is unnatural. It is unnatural for a Christian to really do not care to be part of the communion of saints. It is not natural. Because, it's and it is only so because you have not come to full realisation and I hope with this part of scriptures you come to the realisation I am part of the body. The food keeps saying I am not and I really don't care does not change anything. The food is still part of the body. That God has brought you to BPCWA. That God has put you in this church. It is not by chance. Our God is a living God. It is not by chance that you are here. So you cannot say that no matter how you say, just like the foot keeps saying, I'm not part of the body, I don't really care. God just says, but the foot is part of the body. God says, I brought you here to BPCWA. No matter how you don't care, you don't really want to be, I have brought you to BPCWA. Be part of the community of saints here. Alright, so remember that. And it's for you to benefit others and others to benefit from you. Move on. Um, point question number eight. Um, actually, I've covered a lot of this. So, for sake of time, you just no, no. We need to cover some of this. All right. So, A A. I've I've beaten it to death already. Purpose. God provided communion of saints through Christ. It is that we. Oh no. That we strength. That we have. We mutually benefit. That is the purpose. There is mutual spiritual and physical benefit. That is the aim of God. And then, B, HB, name some gifts and graces. So let's not talk with our tongue only. Name some gifts and graces. Uh, Mabel, name some gifts and graces that God gives to Christians and we ought to share and share in others as well. Any? Say again? Yes. Name some gifts and graces. Because we've been studying, share gifts and graces. Share in other people's gifts and graces. Share your gifts and graces. That's about the communion of saints. Then, what are gifts and graces? What should you share? Okay, what do you think, alright? What do you think? And I'll ask someone else. So you think and listen to what I say now. So, because someone just submitted the question. Well, I now I've got a question on the fly. <laughs> All right. What about those who are stuck in places where there are no faithful church? So how do you answer that? I've, I've tried there's no faithful church. Um, no sound church. It's unsound. Practices unsound. Teaching unsound. Beliefs not according to the word of God. It's just like a... Um, A community center is, there's no spiritual life in there. So how? Should I be part of that community of saints? We studied this in the Universal and Local Church, two chapters back. What's the answer? Go and find one. one. But the person said, don't have. (laughs) Find harder. Find and find and find, couldn't find. I'm in Brunei. Or I'm in... Some jungle or whatever. Buddha is not jungle. I mean some country. Really, there's none. I cannot find. There are unsound churches. Move to another country. We studied that, right? Then you have to move. Sometimes that is what it calls for. If truly there is no sound church, what is the most important thing in your life? Community of saints is very important. So you may need to move to another country. Okay. So not, easy. not that you want to move, then you, can, you have to apply for visa, you have to migrate, you have to do a lot of things. Yes, you have to apply for visa, not easy, you know, you have to do all of things. Young, what's your original citizenship? Malaysian. Malaysian. How do you come here? Not easy, right? Apply for visa. <laughs> R- rip out your children, sell your business, move here, right? But there's some people in this church, they can't. They can't. Have to go back to their country.
1: All right. So how? Yeah.
0: I can't migrate. I must go back to my country. How? Cheryl, help your husband. How? Use technology. Use technology means do live streaming to a good church. There's a potential, definitely. Yes. So sometimes, yeah, you really cannot. Financial there's no way to go, visa get cancelled, not apply, cannot. Then sometimes live stream, um, connection with, with people. But I do believe that if a believer wants to be part of the communion of sins and it's God's will, somehow, somehow it's possible. The person should not just give up, like, I cannot lie, everything cannot. Actually, seriously, I know of people who come to Perth at all odds because they want their children to study in Australia. However much it costs, they don't earn very much, but they somehow find it, right? So, in other words, what I'm saying is, for the Christian to be part of a sound community of saints, where you can help to enlarge the kingdom of God, learn His Word, grow in Him, must be the most important priority in your life. Where where you are there, you will grow and you'll be useful to God, alright? Because really, we are willing to migrate, we are willing to um uproot and everything with a lot of cost, but somehow now I'm not saying that there are no genuine cases where they cannot. But by and large I think the unwillingness to give excuse that cannot um, is very easy to just give that excuse. Alright? So alright, so Mabel, have you thought of it? We had a long conversation now all the answers from you. What are some gifts and graces that Christians should share? Say again. Spiritual encouragement. Very good. Now, in fact, um, we have no time, but you just write down Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, has a list of gifts and graces that God gives to people. And I will list some of these to you, all right? There are gifts of administration. All right? The Bible talks about gifts of administration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, for example. All right there is there are gifts of um, encouragement, like uh, Mabel rightly pointed out. There's a gift of encouragement. Romans twelve eight. There is gift of evangelism event. Now there are gift of um, giving. Romans twelve eight again. Gift gift of giving where God gives you the gift of giving. What's the gift of giving? How would you know you have the gift of giving? Uh, Sujin, how would you know you have the gift of giving? When they, when they are possession, when you give, it benefits others, yes. Um, and definitely it's when you have, you know you have the gift already. Someone give you $100 and say, now you have the gift to give to someone. No, I don't have. <laughs> You're holding in your hand. So gift of giving is when we have possessions, right? You have, the, you have a car. We are running short of people to, to, to pick, the elderly to come to church, the sick to come to church, some student to come to church. Please don't say, I don't have the gift. When you have the license, when you have the car, and you can drive. <laughs> because you can have the license, you're going to come, you may not be able to drive very well. Please don't drive the elderly. Don't drive Uncle Bernie to church. Right? You'll be very sick. Don't volunteer yet. Right? But if you have been able to, You know you have, you must share, automatic. Don't have to, hmm, I wonder if the gift or not. Don't have to, all right? So be be real, be real. So gift of encouragement also. There are people that God says, I give you gift of encouragement. There are people who are very good at encouraging others, right? Somehow the Lord gives them the ability. When they talk to you, you feel strengthened, the Lord uses them. Therefore, God gives them the wisdom to choose Bible verses that just are perfect to strengthen your faith at that time. God gives them the gift to that they're able to do visitation, um, comfort their elderly. Some people have the gift, just have that gift, there is someone in our midst, very good at sitting, sitting with, with the elderly. Somehow the elderly also like sitting with this person, they just have a gift. Some you see if they elderly after some time the elderly get upset at you. <laughs> they say all the wrong things, do all the wrong things. But some they just have the gift. So um, these are some of the gifts. Now where we fail, uh, we, we move on first. And there's the gift of giving, the gift of encouragement, and then in First uh, in Romans twelve again there is the gift of hospitality. There's the gift of hospitality. That we must share. Some people are very good at cooking. Mm? And some people are just very good at making people feel very comfortable in their homes or, or in the environment. Gifts of hospitality. When people come to our church to visit, um, some are just able to make them feel very welcome. Very good at that. All right? Some do not have that gift, but some do. So that those are those gifts also. And then there is the. Um, Gifts of leadership also, gifts of leadership. So many, many different gifts. Um, So you must use those for the benefit of others. cannot say, I'm not part of church, I really don't care. Actually we are are starting so many projects in church. Those of you, now don't think gifts are like that. Don't think gifts are, one day you wake up then suddenly you can play the piano, or wake up suddenly you can speak in, in Mandarin fluently. Or well, suddenly, you, you, you're suddenly very good at designing websites. Um, Alex again. Alex, can you design websites? Yeah, don't be humble, right? Don't, be, don't need to be humble when God gives you gifts. Can you design websites? Uh, I, I haven't done it for a while, but yes. How did you know how to design websites? How did you have experience? Uh, through work? Through work? So, school days? You did certain courses in that area? Uh, not so much. Not so much? Uh, even better. Although you didn't, but somehow your job trained you. Who gave you your job? Uh, God. God. Does things happen by chance in your job that they trained you to not to do websites? No, everything happens because God ordains it, right? And then one day church says, we need to revamp our website. Alex, can you help? Then straight away the thought comes to your mind, I have the gift. Now, gift is not something that happens overnight, not necessarily. God may give you the, the aptitude for it. Okay, no aptitude, aptitude. Okay, someone who loves, who have the aptitude for cooking. Just can. God give you the aptitude, that's a gift. But you develop it further, right? So the same you have. Maybe Lilian can cook chicken rice very well, but you're asked to design website how you teach yourself or so cannot. Then you can design website, no matter how he teaches you to, to cook chicken rice, you still cannot. We have the gift you the aptitude. Now, once we have it, then we must remember these are point C, right? These are duties expected that we step up. And do when approached. God gives you that for a reason. And here is where I need to say something. We cannot, or maybe i ask you actually, if you do not bother to come to church, do not bother to be part of church, do not bother to find out what's happening in church, what are the needs of the church, will you be able to use your gifts, Valerie? No. Why? You don't know what, where to start. Neither do we know that you have that gift. So please remember, before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, God saved you. And God already said that I will make you part of my body. And God already said I will make you part of a local church. Hmm? And God says now in that local church at one time in one point in time we are going to do something in that church and God says I am going to start equipping you with this gift Whether it's financial possessions or whether it's some talents, ability, I'm going to equip you. Now, please remember when God says he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, it's not like he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows exactly what he desires in your life and what he will equip you with in your life. And then the time will come. But when the time comes or when you're part of the communion of saints, you do not go. You do not be part of it. You do not want to care about it. Then you fail miserably the reason why God saved you. The point of this lesson is God says, please realize this. You are part of the community of saints. Don't be like the foot that keeps saying, I'm not part, I'm not part. God says it doesn't change anything. I intended you to be part. And now you must engage. If after fellowship you disappear, after worship, you, you hide in a corner to avoid people. I know some people say, I don't like to talk to people. But remember the point is, communi- communion of saints is God says, you are not supposed to be a loner. You don't like, but doesn't mean that you are supposed to be. We don't like many things. Abigail, you like to study? She did not Most people say, no. <laughs> But you know you have to. You have to. So, the communion of saints is to awaken us to realize that we are safe to benefit others, benefit the work of God, and benefit His kingdom. Now I also want to say this. So for example, if you always disappear, you know actually over time when I start to visit some people or talk to some people, I realize they have amazing gifts, amazing talents, that we didn't know about. Now, increasingly, when I start to talk to people, to encourage them to serve, there are things that the people could do that I never realized that they had all those abilities. But why didn't we know? Because they always disappear and always, when there are things to do, they don't want to do. Then you hide all those things, or rather you keep those things which God gives you for the intention of helping others. Please, Know that we fail God very miserably. We fail God very miserably. How would you feel, Father? How would you feel, Douglas, if you, tra- you, you, you train your children, you put them through education, you, give, you take care of them, you provide for them because you have a plan for them that, there's a, that there, you want them to do something at home. And then they keep disappearing from home. Joshua, I put you through I don't know what he's studying huh? Joshua, I put you to IT because I need you to help in the house things in this area in, in in setting up something in the home. But can't even find Joshua half the time not at home. Joshua is not like that. We all know Joshua is a good boy. Right? How would you feel as a father? I just it's so disappointing. When we neglect the communion of saints, look up to heaven and know God said, I am so disappointed. You just keep running away and hiding. That is not why I made you part of the body. That's not why I saved you. All right, so, and so the duties is that we must step up when asked. We must step up when asked. And I'm very thankful to God that many of you willingly do so. We are doing a lot of video editing now. All right, we are approaching some of you. You have been through IT training in school. You can do those things. Don't say, wow, I have to edit these videos. means means a lot of time spent on it. I, I will lose my beauty sleep. I may have eye bags. Or I may not be able to study as hard and then I don't get my A's. No, 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 I'm not going to help in all this. When God equip you with a gift, don't turn it down. right? Don't turn it down. Don't have false humility also. right? Um, so do serve when, when approached. Especially you know that God has... Equipped you, do serve. Number nine, question number nine. So what is the ultimate purpose of communion of saints ultimately? What do you think so? Because all the while when I was talking, I wonder about one question in your mind. And the question I keep wondering, if you are wondering when I'm talking about all these things is, oh, this pastor just want people to serve church, serve church, give to church. Oh, a very selfish person. Please know, I benefit nothing when you give, when you serve. I don't get more money. I don't get more sleep. I don't get more anything. I still serve the same. Okay? So, it is not for me. In fact, Christ said, you don't serve me. Please remember this. God made you the community, communion of sins. Part of the communion of sins. You don't serve. God says, I can raise up stones to praise me. Please know that. Alright? I, 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 I am on God's, I'm with God's mind. You don't serve, I'm not worried that the church will crash. This is God's church. As long as I, I make sure this is God's church, I do not have to worry a single day that we will be short of workers, we'll be short of money, we'll be short of anything. Because God is the infinite God. I don't worry. The one that loses out is you, the one that God dis- gets disappointed in is you. So you can we keep withholding, you're not doing anything for me. You're not even doing anything for the church. So answer this question, please. So you keep thinking, mm-hmm, keep asking us to give. Question number nine, what is the purpose of the communion of saints ultimately? Can someone tell me? Yong? For, the, for the body of pastor. <laughs> the body of Christ. Remember, he's the head. He keeps emphasizing this, the body of Christ. He is the head. It's for Christ, the head. It is for Christ. Do not serve because, and do not feel compelled to give or to serve because you think you are giving to the church. Do not. Because you will give for the wrong reason. You will, after some time, get, get fed up. But when you do it for the Lord, for his body, for his body, the church which is his bride, um, you will keep going on. You will not get disappointed because you do it for church or do it for pastor. Pastor say, I did video. All right, I'll do it for pastor. Hmm? Then one day I preach something that you don't like. What will happen to you? I do all these things for him. Then you say all these things about my sins, right? you get fed up and you stop serving but when you do it for Christ you will never stop serving you will never get this you may get discouraged but you will not give up because you know who you're serving okay please remember that so for the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love so it's always for Christ body that is the thing you must remember Now, what happens if we fail to see that it is for Christ and his glory? Hmm? So we always serve for his glory, for the glory of God, that man may know him, that man may not know a false Christ, that man may know exactly who this Christ is. We do it for his glory. Now, if we fail to see this, what will happen? What do you think will happen? Hannah, what do you think will happen where uh, uh, the church keeps hopping, serve, serve, serve? Share. Help one another. And we keep harping on that, but it is not for Christ. What will happen? What will the church become? Say again? Yes, our works will be burnt up, that's for sure. Um, God says you do for me, it will last, you do it for yourself, do it for any other reason, it will be burnt up when you meet him. That's correct. But what will the church become? Um, It will become just a community center. It will just become an old folks home. It will just become a nursing home. It will just become um, a tuition center. It will just become um, a no interest loan bank. (laughs) It will just become that, that's all. We are just helping each other because of communal reasons. Not Christ, not the glory of God. Just that, so we'll help, we'll do a lot of things, but purely like as if it's a community center, that's all. And what will happen over time? We will end up preaching, living the what gospel? What gospel do we call that, Vincent? The social gospel. The social gospel expounds that the reason for Christianity is to improve social um, good of society, and to bring up educational um, levels in society, that's all. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that the Christians um, do not contribute to these good causes. But please remember, that is not the cause of Christ. When, when the disciples wanted to fight the government, the Roman government, what did Christ say? My kingdom is not of this world, at least not yet. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were so, we would fight. We are not here to fight for social justice. We are not here to fight for higher education, for fair wage, for um, improvement of the underprivileged. The church engagement is not to fight for those things. The church engagement is to preach Christ and his truth. People get saved. Actually, you want to change society. You can keep trying, it's not going to change. Because Christ already said it's going to get worse before he returns. Is that correct? It's only going to get worse. You want to change society, you can only change society if you change the heart of men. You can only change the heart of man if man gets saved. An unsaved person will never do that which is um, um, genuinely um, godly, kind, righteous, just. You will not. So, if the communion of saints is without the first part, which is communion with Christ, we will end up being a community, that's all, community center, that's all. So, be very careful. Um, I'm not saying if Philippines have a tsunami, church does not send money there to help them. We will, we can, if we have, we will. But that is not the sole purpose of the church. The sole purpose of the church is, is what? The Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and build schools and help the poor. No, go ye on, all the, into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It's a spiritual endeavor. Alright? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. That is the duty of the church. When men's life change, society will be better. But anyway, let's come back to this, Um, yes, so we must always go back to the purpose, right, 26.2, we will not be able to do that tonight. Okay, we will continue the next time. Um, we will continue the next time. But I hope tonight you remember one thing: is God saved you, put you into, or in, and intends for you to be part of a communion of saints. You must be part of it. Being part of it means you share and you receive the grace and the gifts of others. Right, so you must be part of such a community and find a sound church. Let us pray.